It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Redirect Podcast. It is Thursday, July 27th, 2017. I am Jason Dodge and am once again welcomed by Patrick and Ashley from the Black Truck Team. Um, happy 10th episode. Ooh, we did. Uh, double digits. Yeah, double digits. We're up there now. So this is, uh, this is awesome. It's really been, I think it's been fun to be able to um, take our, what was our, our weekly meeting and roll it into... Uh, the redirect podcast. So, um, Patrick, you said that you were going to go ahead and kick things off this episode. So I'm sure. going to let you. I'm going to let you go. All right. I found an article from a few days ago in the SEM Post. It's uh, SEM Post I like because it's they're short blurbs and they kind of give uh, conversation starters. And that's exactly what I found on there. Uh, Google is testing in certain spots uh, see more results on their search their mobile search hmm. app versus a go to page two. Uh, oh. So you know how, like, it, um, for example, if you are on Instagram desktop and you scroll, you see the first like dozen or two dozen images, and then you have to click see mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. It will just continue to scroll indefinitely. You don't have to keep clicking see more. Oh. Uh, same concept, but on the mobile side only. Uh, and to reverse that, instead of showing ten results on page one of the mobile app, it's only four. Wow. Mm. So um, the feedback in this little quick blurb um, talks how at the bottom of your mobile app, you get search suggestions. And the concept behind it was it's going to create even more competition to try to get to that first page. Because if you have a, a quick result, less people might be apt to click the see more results. However, it might lead to um, more refined searches because you're going to get to those suggested searches quicker. Interesting. Uh, I tested it on my phone this morning, and I'm, it's not available. It's not me. available. I, I checked to see when my, the, my Google search app was last updated on the 22nd, um, and, it, I, and there isn't any updates available mm. for it. So it's only rolling out in select places, but uh, there's some screenshots in the article, um, and it might, mine is, doesn't look like that. But um, I still have a lot to scroll through on the homepage, and then at the bottom I saw the, the suggested searches, which I don't even know if I've ever gotten that low on page one of a mobile search app, because <laughs> I can honestly say I don't know if I've ever gone to page two on a, on a mobile search. Interesting. Um, so I thought that was kind of neat. You know, it's, it's a good point. Like, is four enough? Is four search results on a mobile app going to be enough on to search through? And then if you can immediately get suggestions to better refine your search at the bottom, will that lead to a better long tail keyword hmm. phrase? Yeah, and then how does that affect you in on the SEO side, how does that affect you as the as the ranking factors? Because right. if if I click see more, does that mean am I still am I still technically page one? Right. Am I you know, yeah. or is that is that also kinda does that methodology, that thinking, go by way of like a featured snippet and trying to be able to right. to communicate that to, so to other the, marketers? The language of page one could change. Continue. Could, yeah. Mm-hmm. What is what is page one anymore on a search app? You know, if it's just going to be see more. Does mm. it change the URL unbeknownst to us? You know, is it dot com slash page two? Yeah. <laughs> you can't see it. Does that include 
only organic results? The four is just organic results, or is it uh, the, any results? The, don't know. Hmm. There's no answer for it yet, because it looks like the beta is in uh, real slim viewership right now. Mm. Yeah, they're all, I mean, they're always testing things, and I think, yeah. um, you know, Jennifer Slake does a real good job at picking up on that stuff. Barry Schwartz does at, uh, um, uh, what is it, Search Engine Land? Land? <laughs> Sorry. Um, that, you know, they're, they're going to get that information fed to them all the time, and there's stuff that's happening out in the wild that, you know, whether it's beta or not, Google's going to test it. And since their pool is so big, they probably only have to test it for a limited period of time to yeah. see how it's going to go. So, um, you know, that's that's the big thing. Um, one thing that they have been testing that for quite some time now that's that's starting to roll out, and I don't, we didn't cover it before. There's been a lot of chatter about it. Um, I've personally been able to see it and see it in action. Um while signing essentially your life away is Google Analytics rolling out uh, quote unquote ask ask a question inside mm-hmm. the platform inside Google Analytics. Um, it, it really is known more as analytics intelligence is is kind of what they've dubbed it. And it's using natural language to get data out of Google Analytics. So <clears throat> for instance, if you were running, um, think of any of your customized reports that you're going to run in Google Analytics. So we're not we're going to not talking about Data Studio. We're talking about strictly Google Analytics um, and Analytics 360. So it's it's a function inside of there that instead of running that report and digging for data, you can say, um, you know, you can ask, you can type a query in, and maybe you want to know how many paid search users or visitors from paid search um, visited a particular landing page from the Chicago area or how many page views on a certain page from a specific area mm-hmm. or from a specific channel. The, the key to it is from what I've seen in a live environment is that you, you still have to understand the language that Google Analytics uses. Mm-hmm. You, you can't at least the machine learning capabilities aren't to that point yet where you can just throw out like, you know, um, generics of, well, how many, how many people came from Facebook? You know, I mean, you have to be a little bit more specific than that, although that ironically probably would generate something, but, um, especially as long as you have your social profiles and stuff tied in and tracking Mm -hmm. properly. Um, but the ability to be able to ask those queries, as long as you understand the language, in real time and mm-hmm. get that data is really um, is really going to be key. Um, I'm really anxious for it. Um, we don't necessarily have direct access to it, even though I've seen it and I've played with it. Um, we don't have it yet. It's rolling out, um, which in a rollout for full functionality, from Google's perspective, could be tomorrow. It could be you know um, over time here. So it's, it's really going to be interesting. Um, the folks over at Marketing Land uh, see Ginny Marvin. This was from actually last week, July 18th. She did a really, really great job of, of outlining, you know, what is the analytics intelligence? How do I use it? Uh, with some great um, sc- screenshots. I think some of those are even just taken right from Google. Uh, but then uh, w- what kind of questions can I ask? And I think it's really interesting to, 
to look at this and then also think about machine learning in Google search or in Bing search alone is um, the system supports currently what and how many types of questions uh, about whatever type of data that's in Google Analytics. So asking the what or how many, but then understanding the Google Analytics, like nomenclature and, and naming conventions hmm. will then help you get the, the results in the queries. Um, so, you know, you're, you're not going to get the why questions. Um, she outlines, you know, why did my organic page views go down last mm. month? Um, what they're saying is that that's not supported yet, but Google says that most likely they're going to be able to do that mm. relatively soon. And, and if you remember our conversation from the other day, I was talking about Will Reynolds talk at MozCon, what used to take Google, um, you know, what I say, 10 days, um, can now, they can now do that, replicate that in, in say 24 hours. So that, that window because of machine learning is really, really shrunk. So taking machine learning flipping it around, applying it to analytics, not, uh, SEO. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be really, really, uh, um, I think it'll be really good. So I uh, probably keep an eye out over the next few weeks. Uh, that functionality should should start to roll out. So, cool. All right. I have an article to share from Search Engine Land. Um, it was written by Sherry Benelli from <clears throat> Bright Local, and it was about improving and optimizing your older blog posts, which may be a better strategy than constantly pushing out new content. Mm. So, um, included the statistic that just on WordPress. Um, 79.2 million new posts were published last month alone. So there's just, you know, an influx of content out there. So how much are you adding to the noise um, as opposed to, you know, really putting out some good quality content? It may be worth looking back at what you've already published and making it better for your users. Mm. So both Google and users tend to prefer fresh content. We know this. Um, And search engine results pages will often show the publishing dates for blog posts. So that can affect how, whether or not a user will even click on an article if they see that there's an article from 2010 as opposed to one that was published last week. Of course, they're going to want the most updated information in, in most cases. So users will be more apt to click on the newer posts and so those older ones tend to get forgotten and then deprioritized by Google. So um, ways to address this, um, look back at your analytics to see how many of your blog posts have received at least one organic visit in the last 90 days. And she says posts with no organic visits are of course either old or mediocre and she suggests you know deciding whether to remove, redirect, or rewrite these posts. And she also gave this concept of the uh, content hoarding ratio, which is uh, taking your total amount of blog posts. And um, of course, I, off the top of my head, I forget exactly what it was. Taking the total amount of blog posts and then seeing how many of them had one, at least one organic visit over the last 90 days. Mm. Um, so that's your hoarding ratio. And ideally, you would have a one-to-one ratio. So I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. 
I find it interesting that one, um, the value of one, is her is her kind of trigger point. Like I would have I would have expected it as, um, are we deeming that as like like legacy content or evergreen or is there was there a breakdown or like what's your what's your take on that? Like what's your take on if I if if we were to say hey like we're going to go through and we're going to audit client content mm-hmm. and you see that there's one organic visit to it, I mean. Yeah. And that's page the, side, right? It's got to be dependent on the window, too. Are we talking mm-hmm. one visit in the last week, one visit in the last month, a year? Well, she says 90 days. So oh. that's a long, that's three months. That's a long span of time. So I, I think, think I think you're right. I think that's... It's questionable, but yeah. I can kind of see that. You know, if, if depending on the volume of content that's out there for people to find, if at least one person visited your page that was six years old, that means somebody found it relevant and helped them at that point. What so, was her What was her date range for that for that post date though? Like, so you're saying the window was 90 days, yes. but but what's what about the published date? Yeah, I don't know if she really addressed that. So that's the issue I yeah. have. Right? So I'll raise a flag and say, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say BS. I think it's very very interesting, but I just think that like there needs to be more. That's super subjective to say. It's had one visit in 90 days where, because we've seen it, we recently mm-hmm. went through an audit of, of a client's content mm-hmm. and you could totally see that like when that post went live, it took 90 days for it to even come on the radar. And then if you fast forward a year later, it's like grown exponentially like the traditional hockey stick approach. So I think that that's, hmm. that's very interesting. What about, and maybe Pat, you were going to, go here is making sure you're paying attention to something like um, uh, Webmaster Tools or Search Console to see if that page is even coming up. What kind of impression data can you see? What kind of click-through data that you can see? Because if this post is two years old, three years old, I would hope that it has more traffic than that. And maybe it's a factor of like, updating page titles and, and descriptions mm-hmm. and things I think like that all, to promote click-through rate. I think there's going to be no way to formalize it. I think yeah. everyone's going to be case mm-hmm. by case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and her, maybe her article could have been um, a little bit more descriptive in the fact that she said the age of the post she was using or like what would be ideal. Like, is that a 100-day-old article that right. she was looking at a 90-day window for or is it legitimately right. something from yeah. 2008? Right. Jason, I remember... Um, couple years ago you and I had a conversation you sent me an article that was um, dated recently mm-hmm. and it was the 200 signals that Google uses to analyze oh yeah yeah the search results it was only and, 200 yeah and I I read that and I was like I've read this before I this is old and I had read it probably sometime in the last three or four years and right at the bottom it said this post was recently updated and I pointed that out to you and that was right around the time that people were toying with changing publish dates, mm-hmm. updating and the publish date would change with it too. But it does go without saying like, like you should totally, um, especially if it's date sensitive, you know, uh, do you update and you should totally update it for mm-hmm. 2017 or for right. 2018. You know, if it's, if it's, uh, um, online holiday shopping guide that you developed in 2016, like you, you probably should be republishing that right now as, you know, because e-commerce players, if they're not thinking about the holidays right now yeah. already, like, they're way behind. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I think, th- going back to your question about the number one, you know, one visit in the last 90 days, I would see that maybe as a, a 
prioritization thing. Mm. So, like you said, Pat, okay, somebody has visited this page. So somebody thought that this was useful. So maybe the posts that show up as, you know, one session in the last 90 days, much lower priority than the ones that have visits, but maybe just knowing in the back of your mind that that's something to come back to. And it's totally scalable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because maybe if your site is of lower traffic, Mm -hmm. that one visit to that page from organic search might be doing really well, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially if you're perhaps just starting out um, and you drive a lot of traffic through referral base and direct visits and social and stuff like that. Um, Maybe that is an okay stat where perhaps if you're a larger organization or or a group that generates a lot of traffic through organic, maybe you want to bump that number up a Mm -hmm. little bit and and look at it over time. Um, I think perhaps there's a follow-up blog post here that we could totally write and and kind of geek out on. Yeah. It's going to also, I think, something that has to be analyzed on that is user engagement. Do they bounce it off the site? Did Did they stay on that page for two and a half minutes? You know, what, what did that user then do? Mm-hmm. Yep. And what, mm-hmm. what is, do you have internal links on these pages? Right. Yeah. So I'll just finish up here with a couple takeaways. Um, her suggestions for, for going about this, checking out your competition, what they're writing about, how recently, um, updating and optimizing pages that currently rank in positions 7 through 15. I thought that that was a pretty interesting hmm. suggestion. Um, so obviously trying to move those up in the SERPs. And then... Once revised, change the date of your blog post, as we discussed. And then, of course, promote your revised post through social media. Um, just a quick note, if you're not promoting your initial blog post through social media, you're really missing out on an opportunity. But then once you republish those those posts, definitely get them reshared on social media so that people can more quickly see your updated information. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, create a content strategy for your blog moving forward from there. Nice. Like uh, quick, quick show note that two hundred, art, that article of two hundred signals uh, was not a very good article and not very accurate. So, <laughs> listeners, don't go Google ignore, it. Ignore, <laughs> yeah. ignore that one. Yeah, ignore that yeah, one. Yeah, don't go Googling that because yeah. you'll just slam your head against the wall to try and follow that. All right. Um, so <laughs> I uh, changed speed a little bit. I went over to uh, search engine land and um, found some nice information about the new. AdWords interface. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like the rollout post beta or what they're going to start forcing. So um, with all my AdWords clients that I monitor, I've only switched over to uh, one account account over to the new um, platform. I don't really care for it. It's... (coughs) My, my feeling behind it is it's such a different interface. I don't know where all my tools are. I don't know where to go for anything, and it's all different and looks completely different, feels completely different, and the interface is just completely different. It's not a couple of new features here and there. It's a whole new system. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of assumed it, um, I just get used to it. I, one of those things, I'll be, I'll be forced to appreciate it mm-hmm. once the, the beta is done and it's rolled out to everyone. But then Jason and I overheard you on a phone call yesterday say that uh, you're not pleased with the new AdWords as well. No, I'm not. I mean, it. Um, so if you're used to individuals who are used to maybe um, the Google AdWords editor, so which is the desktop application to mm-hmm. you know do data calls, do mass changes, and, and push and pull, you, you'll notice a lot of similarities. So it's almost like they took Data Studio, put it in a web app format, and made it pretty. Air quotes, pretty. Um, 
But if you are used to managing campaigns, you know, if you don't have a campaign that's like of a huge, huge scale and, and need to make massive changes or a big deployment rollout, managing in the web app side is going to be just fine, right? Like that's, that's just fine and that's your normal workflow. I, I would think that probably 90% of search marketers do that. It's different. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it very much operates in the sense that, um, from a funnel or hierarchical perspective, you don't have necessarily the same sidebar navigation that you had before. Like once you click into the campaign, then technically your sidebar navigation all lives within that campaign. Mm -hmm. So then you can drill down to ads, but then it's all ads in that campaign, or you can view ad groups and it's all ad groups in that campaign. So it's a little bit... It's like they they took all the uh, all the Lego pieces and just dumped them out on the floor and shook it up, if you will, and said, "Well, this one's going to go here. This one's going to go here." I think over time we'll get used to it, right. and that's fine. And it's certainly it's certainly prettier, right? Um, but again, does pretty necessarily mean it's better? Right. Uh, I think the verdict's still out. That's right. my opinion on the matter. Um, the article. It was only from yesterday, two days ago. Today the 20th? So Today the 27th. Oh, okay, so this was yesterday. Uh, <laughs> seven features you'll only find in the new AdWords interface. Um, and so I, I dug into that a little bit. It kind of grabbed me. Um, the side that I thought was interesting in here that will help is, for me as a user of AdWords, areas that I've always kind of, I haven't had enough use of it yet, so I haven't mastered it as audience is um, remarketing audiences and things mm -hmm. of that nature. The you, audiences are easy to get into now. They've kind of changed it and made it bigger, um, bigger windows and bigger tools on here where you can see it. There's a whole heading now for you can um, check out household income. Mm. It's not buried. So they're pulling the demographic, yeah, psychographic data in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And audiences is now in one of the sidebars with keywords. Mm. You know, and it's it's. They're making, um, so you've got targeting and, and bids is now in a section called observations. You know, it, it just looks like um, maybe for me, for my use of AdWords and where my weaknesses are, it's going to be an opportunity for me to turn weaknesses into maybe a strength or just a better use space. So I guess that's maybe some positive news out of it. It's, um, it also said there's something called an engram. I'm not familiar with engrams. Um, I didn't, I, I read through that quick, but there's now, that's going to be a big feature in the new AdWords interface. And what's going to be rolling down the pipe in the next coming months, there's always more features in the coming months, as they say in anything, um, landing page performance. Mm -hmm. So they're going to incorporate, uh, okay, so here's your quality score. This is what your ad does. Um, before it was always saying, okay, your landing page was on good. Well, now it's going to tell you what's wrong on your landing page. If you improve your landing page, this is how it's going to perform, perform, improve your performance of the ad. Wow. So I thought that was going to be a pretty neat little feature to come on that. Interesting. Interesting. Um, the Ngram stuff, just kind of to kind of jump over there. Um, Google Ngram is studying language. Hmm. So that's there's there's the Google Ngram, <clears throat> excuse me, viewer, and uh, basically type in a word, phrase, and it'll kick out you know charts uh, tracking the popularity. Um, 
I know they've used it in, I believe, books for a while. Um, so there's been a few others that have talked about it. So maybe we'll have to play around with it a little mm-hmm. bit more deeper. Um, I would say just in the past month with a couple conferences and stuff that we've been at, uh, have I started to hear about it a little bit more too. You know, And that's literally maybe from July to uh, May. I haven't, you know, up to that point, it, mm-hmm. at least any conversations I was paying attention to, I didn't really see a whole lot about it. So um, that'll be... That'll be really interesting. Yeah. So, um, I'll share one more, one more, and I think it's a big one. It's a big shakeup. Again, we're we're picking on Google today. They're pretty easy to pick on today. Um, so a big thing that they rolled out was Google for Jobs. Oh yeah. Um, so I don't know if, if either of you have been following and read anything about that. It seemed like there's a few people that are a little like ah oh, upset about this. Um, so. You know, that could be a big deal. It could be a probably more of an upset for um, companies like Indeed, Indeed. or Career Builder mm-hmm. or Monster. Is Monster still even the thing? It is. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, and even Glassdoor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, Google will index. They will pull that data in if your data feeds, going back to feed and discussions of feeds and stuff like that, if everything is structured properly and plays well in the sandbox and there's a whole guide so that you can format that i I think uh without digging too deep into it um it probably follows schema markup for jobs um which is something that if you're uh, you know a big recruiter or anything like that you should be you should be going after but it most certainly anybody that is running paid search ads so the angle that I was most interested in is, yes, the organic search stuff is going to uh, shift around because it's going to show it in in probably uh, like a tile or a feed mm-hmm. style that we've seen Google do. Um, but uh, PPC Hero blog, uh, the folks at Hannapin Marketing did a great job at like, well, what is this? how does this really affect me from a paid search perspective? And since we've run a number of recruitment campaigns in, in uh, from paid paid search ads and paid social ads, um, you know, anybody who's really running PVC ads for job openings and career and things like that, um, there's there's a number of things to kind of really think about. These these do fall below a paid listing, so there is there, that's a good thing there. Um, she points out that aesthetically displaying the job search results so that it's aesthetically pleasing um, so it's going to catch more attention than than paid ads. Um, I don't know. I think I think eventually you're probably going to see where you can pay to play in that space. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an opportunity to monetize, but also Google doesn't really care about that at the moment. You know, if if they're generating the proper result, um, you know, messaging in the ad. You know, making sure that your most important message is in the headline. Uh, because users don't always, you know, read the description. So it's like XYZ job now, $5,000 signing bonus. Like it's that hook, like boom, immediately right out of the gate. Um, or start to test things like dynamic keyword insertion and stuff like that. So this this post comes from, I believe it's uh, Brianna Ogle from the Hannapin marketing team. They've got some really great content out there. Um, we'll make sure we link to it. It's, it's really uh, I think it's just a really good general breakdown of, of things to to kind of keep in mind and um, we'll certainly be watching for it. So, yeah. All right. Do you have one to wrap us up here? I do have one to wrap us up. It's something oh, gosh, that nobody, I... Nobody, like, stole anybody else's idea, <laughs> guys. Come on. Good. 
This was something I wanted to share last week, but we kind of ran out of time. I found a, a number of posts um, in the past week about YouTube tackling terrorism and extremism Ooh, yes. with the redirect method. So mm. it's very uh, topical to discuss the redirect method on the redirect podcast. Mm. So, like yeah, super, super fascinating. So over the last few years, um, an alphabet incubator called Jigsaw that explores how technology can make people safer in the face of global security challenges, mm. worked with um, another organization called Moonshot CVE, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they work on countering violent extremism through data-driven innovation. So they've worked together to conduct extensive research to understand how extremist groups use technology to spread their messages and recruit new members. And YouTube is a, I guess, a major place where this happens. So um, from the Redirect Methods website, uh, they say they use AdWords targeting tools and curated YouTube videos uploaded by people all around the world to confront radicalization Hmm. online. Um, focuses on the slice of ISIS's audience that is most susceptible to its messaging and redirects them toward curated YouTube videos debunking ISIS recruiting themes. Hmm. And wow. Yeah, and so this method was developed with, um, based on interviews with ISIS defectors, and um, they say that it respects users' privacy and can be deployed to tackle other types of violent recruiting discourses online. So... Obviously, this is very different from what we're doing um, on a day-to-day <laughs> basis, but I'm fascinated by the idea of search queries being redirected for good. Um, and also, I'm wondering how this technology could someday be adapted and used for evil in the future. Yeah. Because that's just where my mind goes with my this first, stuff. My first thought on that is, well, beyond the, yay, this is a good thing, is um, all the, the flack that... Um, for example, that Facebook got for curating feeds mm-hmm. without telling you, mm-hmm. you know, and showing things they want you to show, because that's essentially what it is. Well, this is so. This is using keywords that you're entering in YouTube, right? And so they have, you know, they have a database of, you know, triggering keywords right. where it, instead of showing the viewer what they're looking for, right, it will redirect them to. Mm. Well, and it's, I mean, because I think back to the original point there too YouTube's a large driver right. of these you know um, extremism, uh, videos. extremism videos uh, uh, recruitment type mm-hmm. things right. individuals who maybe are, are skating the lines of um, acceptance and stuff and, and maybe headed down that path um, that's a big big they're using it Google Google's I think Google's known it for a long yeah. time and Pat maybe circling back to your point mm-hmm. they Especially given the all of the quote unquote fake news and everything that's happened mm-hmm. um, and biasing and, and everything in the past year, you know they they all have supposedly committed to cleaning things up. So. Yeah, I just I read another article related to this that says that Facebook, Microsoft, and Twitter are also joining forces with YouTube to take on terrorism. So. Mm-hmm. Those four Good. will be exchanging best practices as they develop and implement new um, techniques using using machine learning, of course. going to be interesting to see how that funnels in the long run. I probably won't pay attention to it because um, video hosting sites like LiveLeak or Break, mm. you know, where there's more um, 
not mainstream type yeah. stuff, more mm-hmm. violent type stuff around those. Um, could be interesting to see if that's where it all funnels to. Hmm. Let's hope so. And then, yeah, and then, you know, if you can just monitor from one location and then attack from there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Cool. Well, thank you guys for sharing. And uh, thank you to those of you who are listening uh, and on a regular basis. So uh, that concludes this episode of the Redirect Podcast. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.